The Fake Show podcast is brought to you by Hash House Agogo, the law firm of Hutchison and Stefan, Brew City Brand Apparel, The Food Connection, LV.com, and by Mr. Antenna. My father prophesied it, you know, when I was eight years old. He said, John, you're going to write songs, a lot of them. You play for 10,000 people a night. And I get a phone call, and it's Journey, JC. You want to be in Journey? Don't stop believing. When it came out, I had no idea we were going to sell 250,000 units a week all over the world. We played for over a million people last year. To find Arnell, like Neil found Arnell on YouTube, is just like a dream come true. And to stand on the stage at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame was a pinnacle for me, I'll tell you that. It's The Fake Show with Jim Tofty. Welcome to The Fake Show. That is Journey keyboardist Jonathan Cain looking back on how it all began for him. He has just released a new memoir called Don't Stop Believin'. Hard to believe he has been with Journey for 36 years. And that title is very special for many reasons. I've got Jonathan on the phone right now in Los Angeles as the band is getting ready to head out on tour once again. Jonathan, thank you for joining me. How's it going? Hey, Jim. Good, sir. How are you? Great, great. We're looking forward to having you guys here in, I think it's in September, September 8th at the T-Mobile Arena. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. By the way, you're on tour with Def Leppard. Who opens for who on this tour? Well, we're co-headlining, sir. We have uh, some cities will close and some cities they'll close, and that's how we're doing it. So, Congratulations on your memoir, Don't Stop Believing. It's gotten a lot of great press lately. I, I read the Rolling Stone article. Thank you. Yeah, it's, uh, it, was, it was time to go to come with it i've been working on it for some time and i think you know the pinnacle for me was was the hall of fame ceremony and it hit me that that should be the opening of the book for an intro you know and i'm like well there's no greater intro than standing on stage with steve perry how was that reunion because i know that you were fairly sure that steve was going to be there for that but how how did it work out when when you guys all got together well well he was so comfortable and 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 gracious uh uh, with everyone and uh, very transparent and funny and and sincere and it's probably the best I've seen him. I've seen him at the walk of the walk the walk of uh, fame in Hollywood. You know when they had this sort of ceremony years ago, uh, it was 2004. But um, this was special. He was all lit up. I could tell he was excited and you know he remembered some funny stories from the old days and and just the way he you know thanked everybody. Um, Gave a shout out to Arnell, very classy guy. That was amazing. Yeah, I know that Arnell was was pleased by that. And by the way, you probably know better than most how Arnell felt as far as replacing Steve because you had replaced Greg. Did you get treated well by the fans initially? I sure did. It was pretty interesting. Yeah. Oh yeah. They uh, yeah they were they were totally accepting. And and it's coming. Coming out with that Escape album, I think, really made the difference, you know, that they really loved the songs. And uh, they knew I had been part of that, you know. So, yeah, it was a pretty pretty great way to come in. Don't Stop believing. Those are words that your dad actually said to you once early on? Yeah, I was on a phone call with him. My, my dog had gotten hit by a car and they needed money, and I wasn't really doing that well financially. And I asked him if I should come home to Chicago. I was in Hollywood and. And he, that's, that's what he told me. That was his advice on stop believing. He had a vision, trust the plan, trust the vision, you know, and, uh, he was, he was my steadfast, you know, cheerleader all those years. How was it eventually that that would become a song and one of the biggest songs of journey? Well, you got to read the book, you know I mean? It's, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a great story. Uh, you know, somehow it just caught my eye and, 
you know, I brought it into the band and the, the rest is in the book, you know, just a, an amazing story of, you know, just patience and perseverance. The song really was a team effort. I'm a big fan of, of guys who engineer bands and Mike Stone sure was a star, wasn't he? when it came to the studio. He was, yeah. What a, uh, well, you know, he came from the Queen camp and had a lot to do with Bohemian Rhapsody and all those great vocals that Freddie and the band did, you know, uh, he recorded most of that. And uh, we knew his uh, his genius and what it, where where it lies in, in analog recording, you know. And I don't think anybody got a better sound vocally than Mike, you know. He even did that Paul Carrick record. Uh, it was a band called Ace. How long has this been going? Oh, sure, yeah, yeah. Well, we heard that that was sealed the deal. Steve and I, we we got to have this guy. He's he's just tremendous and uh, turned out to be uh, a funny guy, you know, and just sort of a. Uh, Crazy genius, you know, English genius. Wonderful, you know. And so he came from the Roy Thomas Baker. He was working with Roy Thomas Baker. Sure. And then, you know, he, he went on to do the Asia album. And uh, and uh, he, he actually mixed uh, Jimmy Barnes' uh, album that I had done, Freight Train Heart. By the way, Jonathan, I saw a clip of you recently on American Bandstand with your band. Yeah. And your I believe your, right. brother, your brother was playing drums. That had to be a thrill for you guys. Oh, yeah, that was amazing. Uh, and then Dick asked me about classical music, you know. <laughs> it was pretty funny. It was interesting to watch that because, you know, he was really quite a taskmaster. Um, you know, he was sometimes not so kind to those dancers, you know. Oh, really? Very critical. Very critical yeah. of them. Oh, my. Yeah, I was waiting to do sound check and just the way he spoke to his kids was pretty harsh, you know. Really? Like, no kidding. You never get it. Yeah, you'd never see that from Dick Clark, but there he was, like, will you call that dancing? It's you, over there. God, I mean, he did personally, with, with, if kids weren't doing what he wanted them to do, hella balloon or whatever, you're gone, you're, you're out. That's incredible. So it's Pretty funny. The Dick Clark nobody saw, right? Right, because everyone just thinks he's the he was the nice guy of rock and roll, and here he was the the Vince Lombardi behind the scenes, right? Yeah, he was a he was a stern coach out there. I mean, when it came to you know, the, he he personally do it. I I would send somebody. I would do it myself. <laughs> yeah. You know, some of these TV shows, some of these hosts are you know they're pretty uh, tough. They're tough on the the audience because it's free, right? So you don't pay right. in. So uh, you know, I've been on a few shows where I've seen that. You know behind the scenes stuff you know you've played with so many other bands you guys what was your experience like playing with the rolling stones i think it was in 1984 oh my it was uh terrifying you know because i had heard all the stories i mean prince had gotten booed and they threw stuff at him and you know <laughs> yeah there's prince you know getting booed off the stage right i was terrified i knew something might happen you know and it sure did and steve Thank the fans for making escape number one. No, no, he did not say that. He did. <laughs> they started throwing stuff, and we had to run for cover after the fourth song. You know. Oh my gosh. Yeah, they never announced us either. That was. I think it was always one of Bill Graham's little uh, paybacks to us. You know, like, oh, you think you're big shots now? Um, I'm going to put you on stage with the Rolling Stones and see how you fare. You know, and uh, you're not there yet. You think you are, you know, and, and uh, so I remember we did another show. Uh, I think it was up in Buffalo or somewhere. No, Philadelphia. I think it was JFK. Is that right? Yeah, right, right. I, I asked Bill, I asked Bill, I said, would you please announce us this time? <laughs> Just say, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> journey, please. 
I, I, you know, I, I get what you're doing, you know, with the, the other show, but let's not do that one. Let's not do this one the way that one went out. And so, of course, you know, Steve didn't say anything about number one album or anything. We just, we all got up there and introduced us as he can do. And, uh, and, and we had a fabulous gig. So, so we had a little bit of a, uh, a turnaround for us. That's interesting because otherwise you just go up on stage and go, hi, we're Journey. Yeah, no, we, we, I think it was, somebody might have pulled out of the concert, but I remember it was quite a bit of money. Uh, he had a lot of money for us. And, uh, but, yeah. but I realized we weren't on the ticket and they weren't advertising us. And that's when I knew something was going <laughs> to I kind of got a little nervous. Don't stop believing. In The Sopranos, it was brilliantly placed, I thought. Your lyrics, though, really took on a different meaning, didn't they, on that show? Exactly, exactly. As a songwriter, it was uh, rewarding um, to see the layers of emotions that song covers, you know. And when you're when you're watching that scene, you know, some critics dismissed that as a pop song and da-da-da, you know, and they, they just kind of wrote it off. Well... It appeared to be deeper meaning, you know, watching Tony squirm there in the diner. Um, all of a sudden, you understood, the, you know, the, the layers of it. And uh, I was so happy that the song um, kind of really got defined there, you know. Yeah, and were you guys touring at the time when that uh, episode no, premiered? You no, know, funny. Uh, what's funny, Jim, you know, we, we really needed a solid because we were between singers. Um, Steve had uh, left because of his voice. He had voice problems and... He, he wasn't singing, but we didn't have a singer, you know, it was kind of dark times for Journey, and we needed something to keep us going, and that, that was really the story, and then, of course, Neil found Arnell on YouTube, and, and he's been with us for 12 years now. I would be remiss in not mentioning your previous band, The Babies. I enjoyed them a lot, and how much fun was that working with John Waite? I mean, you just always seem to fall in with great vocalists. I, I really did, and, you know, um, it was great, you know, and what was interesting for me was I, you know, I walked into the rehearsal and he was playing the bass, you know, he was playing the bass, he was the bass player in the band and I could tell he was struggling, you know, trying to sing and play at the same time and um, I noticed it and I, I, you know, just being a new guy, I just said, have you ever thought of hiring a bass player, you know, and he said, yeah, we talked about it and I said, well, let me go, uh, let me go look around, let me ask around, so I swear it was like that same day. I went next door to the guitar shop and asked the guy at the counter if there was a bass player, right? And it happened to be Ricky Phillips. He said, <laughs> well, as a matter of fact, I, I am a bass player. I said, well, you come come next door at the SIR in, uh, after lunch and, and sit in with us, you know? And so Ricky shows up, and next thing I know, uh, I see a different John Waite, you know? And uh, he's smiling, the whole band's happy, and he went on to being quite a front man. You know, yeah. without the bass around his neck and being saddled with, uh, you know, the duties of playing bass. That's fantastic. I really set him free. And, uh, you know, he taught me so much about writing and, you know, rock and roll swagger. And I couldn't have been effective as I was in Journey without that experience. I only wish we had more time, Jonathan. I know you've got to run. The book, Don't Stop Believing, available on Amazon.com. Uh, good rock stories in there. and some, some, some funny ones. There sure are. And uh, we'll be seeing you guys here in Las Vegas September 8th at the T-Mobile Arena. Look forward to it. And it was very nice talking to you. Good luck with the book. Thanks, Jim. All right, right buddy. Love everybody in Las Vegas. Thanks for, thanks for believing, kids. Okay, okay buddy. Good luck. What a great story about Dick Clark being mean to the 
dancers on American Bandstand. And the story about opening for the Rolling Stones. Does anybody stand a chance in that spot? That is the end of this episode of The Fake Show. You know, you can always get past episodes at thefakeshow.com and get up-to-date info on our Fake Show Facebook and Twitter pages. Thank you for stopping by. I'm Jim Tofty, and I'll see you back here next time. Take The Fake Show on the road by listening on SoundCloud, Stitcher, and iTunes. Take